0: This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast.
1: So welcome along to the Three Lions Podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. Here I am. Friday night, I've just come off of the M25. Joy of joys. Everyone's coming home. I, however, am coming to meet a former England international who has agreed to uh, have a chat with me. Very excited by this. Now, Clive Allen played five times for England. Of course, he also played for many London clubs. So keep listening. I'm hoping to find a little bit more about his time Playing for England. Comes to Mikel wide and Waduk is in space, and it comes to Allen. And what a superb finish by Clive Allen! Queen's Park Rangers score five for the first time this season.
0: Spurs on the attack again. The problem for Everton, Clive Allen. 40 corner de Jesper Olsen. le
1: pivot retourné de Clive Allen ne laisse aucune chance à Montagnier 2-0. Southall saves Allen, 4-0. A substitution.
0: Tony Woodcock is coming off. And Clive Allen comes on for his first cap, 15 goals in the season for Queen's Park Rangers. And getting. I thought it would be an early touch. In
1: fact, he does from Haiti, but he's offside. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, former England international Clive Allen. Hello there. Good evening. Thank you for, for joining us and taking the time. Now, many people of a, a certain age will be aware of the Allen family... Your father played for Spurs, he was part of the 61 team, but he didn't make the England side. And your brother Bradley just made 21s, cousins Martin and Paul, again, 21s. But you made the senior side, didn't you? Must be uh, proud from the Allen
0: family. Absolutely, yes. I think, obviously, following my father's footsteps um, and him making certain levels, he he didn't actually win a a full England cap. I was uh, the first to do it in the family. So, yeah, absolutely uh, thrilled, obviously, that... the greatest honour that could be bestowed on you is to win that full cap. So, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I enjoyed every minute of it.
1: Well, let's maybe start at the beginning, the under-21s, because I guess that's the the stepping stone, although I read that um, you're schoolboys and under-18s, but that under-21s... Who was in charge then and how did that sort of come
0: about? Um, Terry Venables it was the first occasion where obviously I worked with, with Terry Venables um, which was a, a, a fantastic thing to do um, worked with him three times throughout my career but firstly when he was the uh, the under 21 boss so it was a, a really strong squad that I went into, I remember you know, some some fabulous names who went on to uh, become full internationals Glenn Hoddle, um, Terry Butcher players of that ilk who were were fantastic players uh, at youth level and obviously right the way through to their full internationals So Terry Venables, even back then did you think he's going to take charge of that senior team? Yeah, he was a wonderful coach he was um, a very, very uh, innovative coach, um, one in which the players related to Um, everybody enjoyed working with him Um, I think going away on international duty it was refreshing Um, it was always obviously a a break from the club it was a a new environment you're going away with the best players from from around the country and um, I always remember there was always a a fantastic atmosphere amongst the group whenever we got together and being in the under
1: 21s and once you were there did you think right I can make this this next step to the seniors
0: uh, no I don't, I don't ever think you, you actually think that I, I certainly didn't I was delighted to have made that level at that stage obviously as you said I had the the honour of playing as as I could at each level at that time, which was to play for the under fifteen schoolboys, the under 18s youth, and then the under twenty one. So, obviously, I was determined and I, I was striving to to win a full England cap, which, as I say, is, was the ultimate accolade. So, um, but I never actually thought it was going to happen, to be perfectly honest. But I was I was you know thrilled that I was able to to experience what it meant playing for the under twenty ones.
1: When it did finally come, you were, you were playing at QPR, and it came as a, an England tour, and I guess, me personally, I guess, well, Wembley would obviously be a, a great place to start, but you started somewhere, not at Wembley, but somewhere equally as great, didn't you?
0: Well, it's quite remarkable. Everybody knows my England debut, and when I say to people, tell me who it was, and they say, no, I can't remember. And I say, "I only have to say one name, and that's John Barnes." <laughs> and they go, "No, really?" So I said, "Yes, really." Obviously, everybody remembers the memorable goal that John Barnes scored in American art in Brazil. Um, I was on the bench at that moment when he run through an amazing run, incredible goal. Um, And then I came on for Tony Woodcock to to win my first England cap in the American Art with England um, winning 2-0. So um, a quite unbelievable start. As you rightly say, I think every schoolboy's dream is to play at Wembley for England. But for me to make my debut in the American Art against Brazil was, was something quite extraordinary.
1: Now reading in your book, which we'll, we'll get on to, you said that the, the American Heart was a, a bit of a dilapidated place, Was
0: that right? Yes it was, yeah, it was, um, it was very run down, it was ageing, crumbling, um, but it still had a, a, a magic, there was something magical about it, it wasn't the greatest surface to play football on either. Uh, But we we obviously performed well that night, Uh, first time ever that England had won in Brazil against Brazil. So, um, yeah, it was quite a spectacular start to my England career. Have you been back since to the new one? No, I haven't actually, no. No, I haven't been back to Brazil. So, um, you know, I've I've fond memories of of our time in Rio, but um, no, I haven't been back to the the renovated um, American art. So we say this is a, it was a tour of South
1: America and next up, you squeezed three games into to quite a short space of time because you then
0: went on to Montevideo and and played against Uruguay. Yes, that's right. And I started that night with Mark Hately up front. Um, a really really tough game. I remember it. Um, one in which was difficult, and it was. I think it was the first time that I realised how how tough and how how it was the next level, certainly playing wise that I had to step up to. And, um, yeah, it gave me a great insight into into what international football is going to be about.
1: And the third and final game was one I wasn't really aware of, and, and reading your book as well, that you perhaps weren't, um, in Santiago when you played Chile. Um, the whole circumstances behind this.
0: Yeah, it was quite an extraordinary uh, event because obviously there'd, there'd been a lot of atrocities in the stadium, uh, military military rule at the time. Um, it was quite an intimidating place, country to be in at that time. Um, it was a game that was played virtually behind closed doors. There was there was no supporters, no atmosphere. Um, it really was a very, very strange game to play in full stop, let alone an international. Um, and it was nil-nil. I think that that really just about summed up what it was. It was almost a non-event, I have to say. So it's well worth a, I guess, a Wikipedia or a Google just to
1: to see the full insight into what was going on in that game. Goals wherever you went. You, you famously played for many London teams. Scored wherever you went, be it Palace, QPR, Tottenham, West Ham, Chelsea. They were coming thick and fast, and we all know 49 goals in one season. But it took so long for the next England cap,
0: didn't it? Yes, it did, yeah. I think, um, obviously, the way I remember it, um, it was a case of trying to perform well for your club, to to obviously impress Bobby Robson, who was a manager at the time. Um, I had that chance... Scoring the goals regularly for, for Spurs that season Gave me the opportunity to get back into the squad There was there was fierce competition in terms of, of the players That were available to Bobby Robson Obviously Mark Haitley who was then playing in Italy um, Gary Lineker, Peter Beardsley Our own Chris Waddle, who I was playing with at Spurs as well So some, some wonderful strikers were, were there for, for the England manager to select And it was a very, very difficult squad to get into Let alone team
1: and you mentioned Bobby Robson, sadly no longer with us. What, what was Bobby like?
0: He was just—he he was a gentleman first and foremost, but he was the most wonderful football man. Uh, great knowledge, love of the game, um, and I really, really enjoyed working with him. I nearly signed for him as a 15-year-old schoolboy. He always reminded me of that, um, calling me into the squad. And always said I should have you should have signed for me at Ipswich many many years before, um, so we remembered that well. But um, no, I was um, you know obviously absolutely thrilled that uh, he gave me my first England cap.
1: And I read that something he said. Um, I think it was in your first training session where you, um, where you said that Bobby was very praise didn't come easily from
0: him, but he said something that that struck with you. Is that right? Yeah, he did. I think um, it was it was one of my first sessions with the England squad. I had one of those days where everything went right. It was it was an, uh, an amazing uh, session for me. Uh, just about everything I struck that day in the shooting sessions uh, went in. Um, and and Bobby was was full of praise, which was obviously fantastic for coming from the England manager.
1: And you mentioned Gary Lineker there as well. Was it frustrating that he was in the way? <laughs>
0: Well, I remember the game against Spain in in, in uh, the Bernabeu, where obviously he scored four magnificent goals. Wet uh, Wednesday night, an international friendly, international. He was playing for Barcelona then, and he came. We went to Madrid, and uh, him and Peter Beardsley struck up this incredible understanding. Uh, Gary scored four magnificent goals, and I think sitting on the bench that night, I actually realised. It's going to take something to get any any sort of chance um, ahead of Gary. His goal-scoring record is second to none, obviously, uh, with England. Absolutely superb uh, record that he has. And yeah, in a way, he, he was he was the one I couldn't get by. I think there were many
1: that couldn't get by him as well. Um, I mean, those next caps came in whilst you were playing for Spurs. they had two more caps out of the five. Uh, he played in the Euro 88 qualifier away in Turkey. That must have been a, an atmosphere, was it?
0: Yes, it was. It was in Izmir. It was a really hostile atmosphere. Um, the thing I remember about that game is that I, I did score a goal, which um, unfortunately a gentleman by the name of Gary Lee was <laughs> offside. <his> name again. He <laughs> was offside and uh, the goal was chalked off. So, uh, real frustration uh, that, that particular day. A tough game one that we should have won, but ended up drawing, so it wasn't the best result um, and obviously it wasn't that, that elusive goal that I was trying to get.
1: Because As far as I'm aware, that was the only time you played alongside him for England. That's right, yes it was, yeah, the one and only time, yeah. And the last one was was another 0-0 unfortunately in, in Tel Aviv against Israel, wasn't it?
0: Yes, that's right, yeah, that was the uh, that, that again was a, a, another difficult game um, and one in which... Um, We just didn't play well that day. It was one of those um, non-events, really, in terms of uh, the quality of the game. The pitch was was poor. Uh, No excuse, but we we didn't perform.
1: Now, we mentioned the, the teams that you played for in England, many London clubs, there was Manchester City as well, but you also went abroad and played for Bordeaux, didn't you? How was playing abroad? And do you think more English players should experience a period of time abroad, the likes of... Kieran Trippier and Jaden Sancho at the moment are doing
0: Yeah absolutely, I, I found it an amazing experience not just from a football point of view but uh, certainly uh, living in a foreign country, learning a new language I was at the end of my contract at Spurs um, I was at a stage of my career where I had to do it then otherwise it, it, that opportunity wasn't going to present itself, it did um, there was a few clubs who were interested Bordeaux uh, um, agreed a deal to go to France before my contract ran out um, and, it's, and it's an experience that I'm glad I, I, I had I think it helped me uh, in great stead later on when coaching um, certainly from the point of view of, of having worked in a foreign country with Amy Jacquet who went on to take France to the World Cup he was a, my coach there Jean Tigana a magnificent player uh, French captain so the whole experience was one in which I, I, I'm glad that I did and I didn't pass up. And you mentioned the coaching roles, you, you coached at Spurs,
1: where Harry Kane and Deli Alley I guess were were coming through, did
0: you see then that they their England potential? Um, I think you saw that they're the, the great talent, certainly um, Harry when he first came in from school and um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have said that you would put your hat on him be, becoming the player that he has today. I've nothing but admiration for the way he's worked, the way he's developed his game, the way he is obviously now as, as England captain. He's, uh, he's done fantastically well um, and he deserves all the credit that he gets for the work that he put in to, to become the player he is today.
1: And you did say, you went on record as saying he could be the one that could beat your 49 goals in a season, do you still think he can do that?
0: Yes, I think he can do it, I hope he doesn't but (laughs) obviously um, Harry went close a couple of seasons ago Um, if he does it, as the great Jimmy Greaves said to me when I broke his record um, if you score that many goals son, you deserve to do it and if Harry scores 50 in a season I'll be the first one to shake his hand because it would be uh, especially in the modern day today I think it would be an extraordinary feat it really would How
1: frustrating was it not
0: to get 50? Um, it was a cup final obviously the cup, FA Cup final was the last game of the season I scored in the second minute um, to put Spurs in front against Coventry um, and was striving obviously uh, for the for the 90 minutes and extra time that we played to try to find that elusive 50th goal but um, it wasn't to be but Everybody remembers it for, for the 49.
1: And England now. How do you how do you see England going forward? And Gareth Southgate?
0: I think Gareth's done a a fantastic job. I think obviously um, the the way in which uh, he's taken the FA and uh, worked with the FA to to certainly promote the young players, giving them opportunities that um, perhaps under under other managers they wouldn't have had, uh, has has been really positive. And I think now we've got an emerging team. I still think there's there's more to do to be win. Us. That's obviously what we're hoping to do to be very competitive on the European front, and then then on the world stage. But I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. There's a lot of young players now gaining great experience, really good experience. Can we win it next year, the Euros? I don't see why not because I think um, these boys, are, um, majority of these boys, are playing in the hardest league in the world, which is which is the Premier League. We're very very strong in, in European competitions, and I think we we will be in the, in international football as well.
1: Now, as you mentioned, um, your new book—it's uh, just recently come out through Decubitus Publishers. It's called Upfront. How was it writing that? Memories evoked.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It was a great experience. Um, it took a couple of years working um, with James Ollie, who, who is the uh, author for me. Um, we got on really well. It was uh, it was very therapeutic, I have to say, bringing back lots of memories. Obviously, from not only my playing days, but through into my coaching, um, and uh, up to the current day. And uh, obviously, leaving the old White Hart Lane, moving into the the new magnificent stadium. So I just felt. It was the right time. Um, it's, a, it's been a way of life. Football's been a way of life for me, and um, I just hope it's an enjoyable read. The feedback from from the early signs are really good. People enjoyed it. Um, it's not just about what I did as a player. So hopefully, it gives an insight into what football's been to me and the and, uh, life it's afforded me.
1: After your football career and the book's been written, and I'm, I'm hearing you now on. BT Sport co-commentating how, how do you find that?
0: Yeah it's uh, as I say I, I can't be without football it's been a way of life for me I was born into it um, it's what I know I love talking about it I love watching football any any sort of football from you know my grandson who's, who's just five years of age now who's just starting his career training and playing and practising watching him play, to, to being in Belgrade as I was this week, watching Spurs play in the uh, Champions League. So um, it's just a game I love. Ivan,
1: well, thank you very much for your time. Very much appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the very best uh, with the book. And Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to all England supporters. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. I do apologise for the sound quality at some points within the recording. We did meet in a premiere Inn where above each table there was a speaker in the ceiling. I did try and find the best place to sit, but I hope it didn't distract too much. Thank you to Clive Allen for his time in speaking with me and also a big thank you to Megan at Decubertin Publishers for arranging it for me. Now you can get Clive's book entitled Upfront, through the website decoubertin.co.uk or at all good bookstores. I'm sure it'd make a great Christmas present for any football fan in the family. You can also follow Clive on Twitter at Clive underscore Allen9. Likewise, we too are on Twitter at Three Lines Podcast, also on Facebook and Instagram, and all on the podcast platforms, all the usual suspects, iTunes, Spotify and 3 Once again, if you've enjoyed it, do give us a thumbs up, subscribe, review, and tell all your mates. If you've got a uh, Spurs mate, tell him her. If you've got a Chelsea mate, West Ham mate, Manchester City mate, hey, even if you know a Bordeaux mate, tell them. That website, you can find all the previous episodes, ones where I've spoken with the likes of Gareth Southgate, Derice Vassell, Gary Lewin, Gary Stevens, and Peter Taylor, to name a few. Now I've got some more episodes in the pipeline, so stay subscribed and we'll speak again. Until then, cheers.